Good morning. Today's reading is from 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 13 to 21, and that's on page 1217 of the Church Bible. So that's 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 13 to 21, on page 1217. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear, for you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Good morning, everyone. I'm Fred. Uh, Yes. So, we're going to start looking at 1 Peter. So, living as pilgrims on the way to glory. I don't know about you, but pilgrim is an unusual word for me these days. So, I'll start by asking a simple question. Does anyone know which football team's name is the Pilgrims? Plymouth Argyle, correct. So why do you think it's the pilgrims for a town called Plymouth? The pilgrim fathers set off from, uh, from Plymouth on their way to a newly discovered continent called America. The pilgrim fathers were Puritans and they were leaving England because they were persecuted by Christians and they wanted to go to another country where they could worship God in the way they wanted to go. The date was the 16th of September, 1620, which was just over 500 years ago. They had a very long and difficult journey, and they found that when they got to America, it was extremely hard to settle new towns. They almost died out that first winter. But they survived, and they went on to flourish. The American call have a celebration called Thanksgiving Day for that. But anyway, we have a definition of pilgrim. It's up on the screen, I hope. So a pilgrim is someone who makes a journey, often a long and hard journey with many dangers, for a religious purpose. 
such as to worship at a site of special religious significance, for example, Lourdes or Mecca. Books have been written about such journeys. We've got the Canterbury Tales, the Pilgrim's Progress that Barbara turned into a brilliant play for us here. Films have been made about such journeys. The Way was about walking the Camino de Santiago de Compostela in Spain. So pilgrimages are nothing new. However, it's not so often about the destination as the journey itself that is key to the uh, growth in the pilgrim. There will be people met along the way, fellow pilgrims as well as residents of the areas passed through. There will be dangers and trials to be faced and the pilgrim's attitude and faith may be challenged and changed as they continue to strive and overcome each difficulty encountered. And all this while trying to remain focused on Jesus and giving God the glory each day. Now my reason for thinking about pilgrims is that the Christian life can be seen as a pilgrimage, a journey for religious purposes with many trials along the path. We start when we become a Christian, when we recognise Jesus as our saviour and put our faith in him. We then travel along the path of life, heading towards our eventual goal of heaven. Along the way, we go through many adventures, some good, many bad, and we are changed by the journey. We grow in faith as we are challenged. We mature in our understanding of our relationship with Jesus, and our hearts and minds are transformed, refined with the help and strength of the Holy Spirit. As pilgrims, it is a hard journey with many unexpected challenges, but also with many blessings as we increasingly trust in our awesome God and depend on him more and more. So let's start into the passage. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. It's an imperative to set our hope. Peter starts the passage with therefore, which means that this section follows on logically from the theology we heard about last week. Peter was writing about the salvation that we have, but we have been graced with through the death and resurrection of Jesus. He is now going to explain the practical outworking of that grace in the lives of Christians. Firstly, we are to maintain the correct mindset when we are living our lives under the grace of that salvation by being alert and fully sober. This means we are to keep our wits about us as we progress through life. Alert comes from the Greek, meaning to gird up one's loins. Because ancient people tended to wear long robes, they would pull up their clothes from around their legs and tuck them into their belts. This was particularly true of soldiers when they needed to be ready for action. In life, we need to be constantly aware of the potential dangers around us, threatening to overwhelm us 
and on the lookout for our own failings, and so be ready to stand firm on the rock of Jesus, fully equipped with the armour of God. But more for Christians, it means being aware that we could be called to meet Jesus at any time, either when he returns or when we are called to join him in heaven. So we should be prepared by discarding all those things that will hinder or get in the way of us pursuing our goal of meeting Jesus. Being sober means to be serious, to be level-headed, and in a position to make balanced decisions. We are not to become distracted by side issues or to allow our minds to be clouded by over-emotional responses or dulled by substances like alcohol or allow our minds to idle and dwell on inconsequential matters. Jesus' death on the cross was of eternal seriousness. The price of our redemption, our salvation, is so great that we cannot afford to think lightly of the lives we lead that are the cause of that suffering. Yet we are to set our hope on the grace to be brought to us when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Despite our best efforts, we will be distracted. But we have this coming grace, our hope. Not vague human wishful thinking, but the certainty of God's promise of Jesus' return, on which we can totally rely. As pilgrims, we should try to go through life focused on our destination, so we are never to settle for the comforts of this place and time. As the Apostle Paul wrote, we are to strive for what lies before us with all our strength. Nothing in this life is as important as reaching that goal. There will be sufferings, there will be failures, we will be persecuted. But if these are for the sake of glorifying Jesus' name, we will be sustained, knowing we have a certain hope, salvation awaits us in heaven. Verse 14, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now Peter gives us a wonderful new name. We can call ourselves obedient children. We have been adopted into God's family through the redeeming sacrifice of Jesus, God's own son. As a perfect father, God expects us to be obedient, to seek to follow his commands as we go through life. This is not an arbitrary or harsh demand. He is far better placed to know what is good for us, and his love for us means it will only ever be for our benefit. We have been rescued from a past where our evil hearts' desires controlled our thoughts and actions. We were in ignorance. This is not simply lack of knowledge, but specifically lack of knowledge of Jesus. We did not know any better than to seek to fulfil our hearts' desires. But now we do know Jesus and his saving grace. We must strive to chase away, change away from the patterns of thought and deed that we had before the light of Jesus shone into our lives. 
We are told in Isaiah 46, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. So becoming holy is not working our way to salvation by our own actions and in our own strength, but working out our salvation in relationship with Jesus, always mindful of the enormous cost of his sacrifice on the cross. Peter here is not simply telling us to stop doing bad things. He wants us to replace them with good things, to be transformed into holy disciples of Jesus. Holy means set apart, different from our past and different from those around us. As pilgrims going through a land, we must strive not to conform to all the influences around us, which continue to bear upon us, but no longer control us. These not only influenced our thoughts and beliefs before we became Christians, but embedded themselves within us so deeply. Often these influences are not obvious because they have always been there and we don't recognise them. They have become part of our heart attitude and we are blind to them. We may say, that's just who I am believing we cannot change. These can be such things as how we view money, our jobs, or other people. Sometimes it can be where we place our security and we can become very defensive or even aggressive when we feel that is being criticised or threatened. Sometimes we can be good at hiding these responses, even from ourselves, but they always impact our behaviour, thinking and decisions, albeit often unconsciously. Our motivation to change is that God is holy, Jesus is holy, and we want to be holy like them. The Old Testament in Leviticus 11 says, I am the Lord your God, consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am holy. Do not make yourselves unclean by any creature that moves along the ground. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore be holy, because I am holy. This has been God's desire for humanity from the start of creation. Peter calls on us to be holy in all we do. It's not enough to be holy in church on a Sunday, but we must seek to be holy in everything we do or think in all areas and times of our lives. So, for example, a rich man on a pilgrimage who travels by well-protected coach and stays in fine inns eating good food and being entertained as he travels, but who then makes a big scene handing out alms to the poor and making a large contribution to the shrine, may be seen as holy to human eyes, but not in God's eyes. Jesus tells a similar story in the Bible about the rich man and the widow's mite. Living in holiness means every day having Jesus at the centre of our lives, striving to honour him in decision-making, thoughts, deeds and speech. It is also seeking the help of the Holy Spirit to identify and change those parts of us that God does not like. 
His priorities may not be ours, and it may be uncomfortable as he helps us, and where necessary, disciplines us. Being holy does not mean being holier holier than thou. It must be grounded in a humility that says, I know I am in need of changing and I need help. Help from God, but help also from other Christians. But that does not mean I cannot help others. As Christians, we are told often in the New Testament to one another each other. The Christian life is one where we have people around us who are also being made holy, so we can help each other as we keep struggling to move forward on our pilgrimage through life. Verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Here Peter refers to God as Father. Now we don't all have the same experiences of our earthly fathers. In fact, some may have had a terrible time with their fathers or their fathers may have been missing altogether. Most will have had human fathers who did their best, but all those fathers had faults. However, all Christians have the same perfect father, our God who has saved us. And here Peter makes the point that God is totally impartial. He judges, assesses, tests all of his children equally. There are no favourites. He does not make allowances or ignore problems or give unmerited credit. He is scrupulously fair and just. So against this backdrop, we are to live out lives here on earth as belonging to a different kingdom. We are no longer of this world, and as such we must honour him who is our king, to whom we have submitted our lives. Reverent fear is to be our attitude as we pass each day. This fear is not terror or dread of punishment, but it's the fear of not doing our best to please the one we revere above all things. He who has provided everything for us who watches over us and leads us along the path he has made before us so we can complete our pilgrimage. We do not want to let him down, yet we know we will, and so does God. So we will repent and continue seeking holiness. It is the attitude and the striving that are the characteristics God is looking for. These can be seen in Old Testament heroes like Abraham and David. Neither was perfect, yet they were credited with righteousness because they sought God's heart. Verse 18, For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. 
Peter is setting out the price of our salvation. We cannot imagine just how much it must have cost Jesus to make that agonizing journey from heaven to earth, to live amongst us as a foreigner, to be rejected and to die on the cross, taking all the sins of the world, yours and mine, and so be separated for a time from his father before the glorious acceptance of his sacrifice shown by his resurrection and ascension back into heaven, where he stands interceding for us still. It is through our faith in Jesus that we are redeemed from our life of slavery to sin and we have the opportunity to walk the pilgrimage of the rest of our mortal lives until we meet him in glory or he returns to judge creation. Peter calls our life before our purchase of the shedding of blood, of Jesus' precious, perfect blood, empty and handed down from our ancestors. This is a stark description of a non-believer's situation and the futility of the precious, short-lived things they pursue. This would have been a particularly galling description for any Jews reading Peter's letter, as they believed they were God's chosen people, the elect. But we need to take care that we do not fall into the same trap of making things like gold, silver, traditions and family inheritances into things to be sought after and maintained in our new lives being formed by the Holy Spirit. Our pasts and all our experiences have brought us to our present as the people we are today. But Peter is saying nothing in that past life should dictate or restrict the new life we have going forward in Jesus Christ. We have been freed from all those bonds by the blood of Jesus, shed for the forgiveness of our sins, and to break the chains with which they bound us. But real freedom is a scary thing. Those chains were also a form of security. But we now no longer need any of that security For we have our identity in Lord Jesus. And he has given us a counsellor to help us depend upon his strength and wisdom and to show us the path we are now to follow. Turning back to the past will only cause us to stumble off the path and into the dangers and difficulties that still surround us. So daily we must strive to reach for the holiness of life in Jesus and to continue to allow our hearts and minds to be changed. No matter how long we have been a Christian, we still have farther to go than we have travelled so far. Our pilgrimage has barely started, so we must seek our Lord's will and seek to be more obedient with each passing day. It is not so much succeeding in being holy that matters as having an increasing desire to seek after God's righteousness. The glory of our destination is certain, but the journey is long and arduous through difficult terrain. So it is our pilgrim mentality, strengthened and guided by the Holy Spirit, that we must fix on our Lord, recognising the enormous cost he has paid to enable us to begin and continue 
to walk his path. Our salvation is granted as a gift, the costliest gift ever. But we must also recognize that whatever we have in this world, our lives, our families, our home, everything is a gift. They are provisions from God, our Heavenly Father. We came into this world with nothing, and we will leave it with nothing. So so we must live in hope, certain hope of salvation. And we live in holiness by seeking to live in Christ, by conforming to his life's model and not to the ways of the world. By seeking to become holy through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will grow through the trials of life and the acts of love we perform which will grant us an eternal inheritance. The way we conduct ourselves through Christ in humility to help others, to spread the wonderful grace of the gospel, and seek with all our strength to become the holy people of God, is how we will obtain treasure in heaven that does not spoil. The honour of God demands a pure, set-apart spiritual people who are totally focused on the certain hope of Jesus' return, to make all things right, a holy life of joyful obedience to his rule, and a life of reverent, submissive fear in the very presence of God. May God, by his grace, work these virtues, hope, holiness, and reverent fear into our lives as we continue our pilgrimage, following the path Jesus has opened before us, Let us give all the honour and glory to him from the bottom of our thankful hearts. Praise be to our King and Saviour. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for causing Peter to write these words for us today. Thank you for your Holy Spirit being here with us today to take these words into our hearts and minds, to help us to become your children, obedient, humble, dedicated to you. Lord, we just thank you for Lord Jesus and the opportunity he has given us to step away from sin and to walk towards you in glory. In Jesus' name, amen.